I love the Book of Mark. I, lo- I say that every week. But this series has caused me to actually consider preaching just through books of the Bible and let the Bible speak for itself and let those bring the topics. Because in college, I took a class. Like, you can learn how to preach in a class, but the, you, there's different styles of sermons. And everybody's like, well, I got my opinion about the, what's the right style of sermon. And some people do give their opinion, but the reality is sometimes you're just topical preaching or a need comes up, and of course you're going to talk about that, you know. Um, but I've... And I'm not kidding because the danger is knowing, this sounds weird, but you've been a Christian for a long time and you think you know everything about the Bible. You think you know everything about Jesus. And you think when you read the Bible, you finish the, the, the verses for God so loved the, and you're, you're just like, okay, and you skip those verses because you already know them. That when I read the Bible, and this might be your takeaway today, when you read the Bible, especially with something very familiar, just take a moment and pray, Lord, speak to me brand new today. I want to read this like I'm reading it for the very first time. I mean, wouldn't you like to go back in time and experience reading the Bible, a specific verse for the very first time? It's like, it's like watching a movie. It's like the, the, right before COVID started, the last thing that we did that was fun, like, like with in public before all the craziness was me and Lydia went to Spokane and watched Back to the Future on the big screen with an orchestra. Uh, it was the music they're playing live. With the, I mean, it was a dream come true. I got to sit in a, in a DeLorean, which was a dream come true. But like, like, don't you wish that you could take a movie that you really love and watch it for the very first time that there's no spoilers? You already know that in Back to the Future, he goes back to 1955 and then, and then he messes things up and he fixes it. I mean, it, 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 I can't watch that movie without knowing what happens. It's just, it's kind of spoiler alert, but I, I want to read the Bible as if I've never read it before. And one thing that you'll discover, and I'm not kidding about this, is you'll find stuff about Jesus that you've never thought about or you went, I never realized that about him. Or, man, you know what? Reading this makes me love Jesus even more. And that's my goal. My goal isn't so you guys become, uh, you know, big. There's nothing wrong with head knowledge and Bible knowledge. There's nothing wrong with that at all. But some Christians, they have a, their, their brains are like, their spiritual brains are like the size of a balloon. A spy balloon that's flying up above the air in Hawaii or whatever. And then their hearts are as small as a raisin, right? They're, I mean, I mean, imagine if your, your heart's the size of a raisin, dried out and decayed and ready to go, but your brain is like top, top heavy, you know? And, uh, I, I just, I mean, I want to be able to, uh, see that someday because there's some Christians and there's nothing wrong with Bible knowledge. I mean, I, I got a bachelor's degree in all this, so I, I, it doesn't mean anything, but I took some very expensive classes, I'll say that, uh, that tried to teach you about the nuances in Greek and Hebrew and Aramaic and all sorts of different stuff. But my main goal is not that you would get to know more about what it means. My goal is that you figure out who Jesus is even more, that you deepen your love for him, and that's the reason why. And I love this book that... Chapter 7 opens up of Mark. That's where we're at. Chapter 7, if you want to turn there. Um, we're going to be in the New Living Translation. So if you have a King James or New King James or or you just have it memorized, you don't even need the Bible anymore. Whatever, you have your translation. Um, it might be a little bit different. But this chapter opens up, and I it is the stupidest conversation I've ever had, I've ever seen in the Bible. I mean, um, up to this point, I could sum up the word 
one word in the book of Mark. It's the word action. Okay? It's like Jesus is going, 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 going. There's twice, at least that I've read, according to when we're preaching here, that it says, Jesus goes, we need to get away by ourselves. We need a break. And because we can't even have time to eat. And then every time it says that, what happens? The, the crowd interrupts their rest. And, and, uh, I, I, I just go, Jesus, like, go up to them and give them the karate chop or something. They're, get out of here. You know, your food is over. Uh, go to McDonald's or Arby's. I like Arby's. Go get some Arby's fries and, 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 uh, say Jesus will pay for it and just leave. But Jesus is so gracious. He's so compassionate. And, and, and action is a huge thing. Jesus teaches. He preaches. He speaks parables. He heals. He saves. He calms the storm. He calms two, two storms. Uh, he walks on water, he casts out demons, and he even raises the dead. According to this chapter or, or the other chapter, uh, he, he does raise the dead. And then, I mean, that's some great ministry. Right? Isn't that some great, like, that, this is stuff that you want to experience. And then all of a sudden, in the book of Mark, there's this ridiculous conversation. You know what's between? It's between Jesus and these religious people. I'm going to modernize it. They're Jesus in the church. Okay? If you were to look at, if you were to, okay, if you're a Christian and you were to assume what Jesus says about Christians and he talks to Christians, that there's always lovey-dovey and, oh, you're doing so wonderful, well and done, good and faithful servant, that kind of thing. But if you go, if he goes to sinners and outsiders, go to hell. But actually, when you read the Bible, it's actually completely opposite. Right? He offers hope. To the non-Christian, non-Jewish, non-religious people, then the special people, the elite, the religious people, he goes, you guys are ridiculous. That's my translation, okay? He doesn't really say that, but he, I I mean, he just goes, how long do I have to deal with you? That's what he says. But Pharisees and teachers of religious law, they want a face-to-face conversation with Jesus. And to be fair, if you've never seen Jesus face to face, I never have. I don't deny people that say they have seen Jesus. Okay, um, I want some more details, but I don't deny. I don't. I, I'm, I'm going to trust you. Um, but if I had a face to face conversation with Jesus, what would I want to talk to him about? If I had to, if he sat down right here and I sat down next to him and I just put my arm around him, what would I say? Like, talk to me, Lord. Give me a special, give me some, give me some uh, teaching. Give me one of those cool parables. I want to hear one of your parables. Or can you hear, how can I really have true joy? We always talk about it. How can I have peace that goes beyond all human understanding? I mean, the Bible says that, but Jesus, can you really speak to me? But these religious leaders, you know what they talk about? It's so stupid. They go up to Jesus and we want to talk to you. And they realize over the corner of their eye, that they that his disciples don't wash their hands before a meal. Like, have you ever, maybe your kids, if you have kids or whatever, or you have a, a, a husband that doesn't wash his hands before dinner? Like, I can understand, like, the little disgusting thing. I mean, I mean, how many of us are fans of washing our hands? How many of us wash our hands more than once for, like, yeah. How many of us wash our hands for, like, five minutes almost, if you're being honest, right? Hot, hot, hot water, Right? You, you know, COVID, the one good thing about that is everybody started do, using that little fancy stuff you put on your hand that when you put it on there, instantly cures everything, right? Um, uh, we had that out there, a bottle. You just 
put it in your hand, you're like, ooh, I feel really holy and clean and, and, uh, but can you imagine you have, you have one opportunity to talk to Jesus about anything you want? And you're like, I'm ready to talk to Jesus. Wait a minute. He, these disciples didn't wash their hands. I mean, these, by the way, religious people, and I'm talking about, religion is not a bad word. The Bible talks about religion in the book of James, for example, but religious people, they're, they, they're out on the lookout for people to screw up and mess up over the stupidest things. Now, if someone doesn't wash their hands, should that make them not really holy? Like, that's so ridiculous. And basically, the, the problem with the religious people today, of that day, is they wanted to look the part on the outside. If no one could see in their heart that they were dead and decayed, if all they did was look beautiful on the outside, they were fine. They These Pharisees, they wanted everyone to look at them and go, ooh, ah, I want to be just like Jim. I want to be just like Tim. I just want to be like Susie because they're so holy. They look so good. I mean, this person, they have the Bible. They, they even, when they read Revelation, they know exactly what it's talking about. There's no, there's no, uh, interpretation problems. They don't disagree with, they know exactly. When they read Leviticus, they have a revival, right? They just go, wow. I love talking about all those blood laws and, 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 it, you know, uh, all these weird things that, you know, if you're dealing with certain time of, of, of the year or the month, you got to get outside of the camp. I just love talking about that, Lord. And these are religious people that all they want to do is they want to keep the outside of their lives so clean. It's a mask. But if you take that mask off, what you see, and I've seen too many horror movies in my day, if you pull a mask off, what you see is a zombie is death, is someone that's not truly alive. They are not alive. They just play the part of alive. And that was Jesus' problem here because the problem is they look so good. They never miss their Bible reading, like like all of us, right? We never miss it, okay? They never stop praying, like us. We just keep praying, pray without ceasing. We take that literally. We're just praying all the time. Oh, Holy Spirit, fill us up. And they're, they're, they're never, they're always smiling like Christians are supposed to, right? You're not supposed to admit that you're hurting inside, right? That's a joke. I'm not, you, you, you can be honest, okay? But the problem is they were legitimately spiritually dead and they were far from God. They were people that Jesus talked about. He said that the Father someday will go, depart from me. I never knew you. And they're going to say, but we, we taught, we preached, we even healed the sick. We prayed for them. Jesus goes, but your heart's not in it. Your heart's dead. And so what Jesus says is you guys don't have a clue what it means to have a relationship with God. If I were to sum up what Jesus really said to them, he goes, you need to know something, Pharisees and religious people. And here, here is, he's going to teach it. Here is the heart of real faith. Okay. There's always an imitation. You know, when, when, uh, when you go to the, when you go to the store, or maybe you go to Walmart or Target or something like that, and if you, anybody ever have like a hundred dollar bill, you know, like, you're like, I don't even know if that even exists. They do exist, but you give them a hundred dollar bill, even a twenty dollar bill, and they kind of look up in the light, you know, and see if it's real, or they put that little pen mark on it, and that tells you if it's fake or not. I mean, there's, there is always going to be something that's legit, like a real $100 bill. There's evidence of it. And then if you have a fake $100 bill, 
There's evidence that it's fake. So what is the heart of real faith? Jesus talks about it. Chapter 7, verse 1. And it's blocked off right there. Um, it says, One day, some Pharisees and teachers of religious law arrived from Jerusalem to see Jesus. They, This is funny. I mean, it's just ridiculous. It makes me very mad. They noticed, because religious people, they like to point fingers and not notice. They like to notice other people not doing things, but they forget about what's going on in their heart. But they noticed that some of his disciples failed to follow the Jewish ritual. Say ritual. Ritual. Okay? Of hand washing before eating. Are you kidding me? Like, I, I don't know if you get like this when you read the Bible. Like, I want to get mad at them. These Pharisees have been long, long gone. Okay? They're long, they're long dead. But I still want to go up to them and go, what is your problem? Like, I, and someday, and we could talk to Jesus, so don't get me wrong, we can talk to God, right? In prayer, the Holy Spirit's right there. But if I ever have a face-to-face conversation, which will happen at some point in, in eternity, I'm going to be with Jesus forever. But if I had an opportunity to sit with Jesus right here, I wouldn't care one ounce if, if his disciples washed their hands. Would it be gross? Okay, maybe. For some of you guys that wash your hands like 50 times every minute, I mean, whatever, you know. But for those of us who've never washed your hands, how many of us hate to wash our hands? How many of you guys haven't washed your hands in 20 years? We would all agree that's, that's disgusting. But we would, none of us would go, you know what? Man, Lydia's got to be very holy. She washed her hands four times when she touched a cobweb. Not, lit, not lit, literally. I'm being very facetious. And she'd give me the, the, the stink eye. But <laughs> I'll pay for that later. Um, that's okay. They don't follow the Jewish ritual of hand washing before eating. Here's a parenthetical, parenthetical statement or aside. The Jews, especially the Pharisees. Okay, this is a rule that's like top, it's like the top leaders of the church of the day. They do not eat until they have poured water over their cupped hands as required by the Bible. Right? No, it doesn't say that. As required by the ancient traditions. Okay, so they're like, okay, I want you to go in line before you eat, and I want you to cup your hands like this. And they just take this big pitcher, and they just pour it over. And you're just, and it's just like this, I'm now I'm clean. Because that's what they were doing. It wasn't really about getting the germs off. By the way, when you wash your hands with soap and hot water, you still have a little bit of soap, or a little bit, a little bit of soap. You might have a little bit of soap, but you have a little bit of germs still on your hand. I'm just saying, this clean, it cleans 99.9% of germs. So you got 0.1% of germs, just to throw that out to you. But, um, but they were not concerned about, they were not concerned about hand cleanliness, trust me. They were more concerned about the fact that when, when I go through this ritual, when I go through this tradition, and I'm going, it's like washing my sins out of my hands, and it's out of my control, and it washes away. That's their, that was their thinking. And similarly, they don't eat anything from the market until they immerse their hands in water. Some of us are getting very, getting a little bit excited here. We're like, yeah, that's how it should be. Those people who don't wash your hands enough. Listen, their hearts are far from God. That's all they're concerned about. This is but one of many traditions. Everybody say traditions. Two words. Traditions and ritual. Traditions and ritual. They. This is the one of many traditions they have clung to. 
This is what life's become. Such as their ceremonial washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles. I, I mean, do you guys make sure to clean up your dishes before you went to church? How many, how many of us, how many of us have a dirty dish in the sink right now? Like you haven't done it. You guys are going to hell. Okay. No, no. I have dishes in my sink. Trust me. They're waiting for me when I get home. But, uh, but I mean, can you imagine that? They have these ritual ceremonial washing of cups. They, they, I mean, I can just imagine the band coming out and playing music, you know, and, and a band, a banjo, you know, and all that kind of stuff and, uh, whatever, a, a flute or something. They come out there and they walk out and they say, here is a pot. Here is my coffee pot. It's so dirty. I need to wash it. Would you just wash this for me? And then, no, that's not clean enough. You got to pour water into that thing for five minutes. And, and it says, you know, so the Pharisees and teachers of religious law, they asked Jesus, why don't your disciples follow our age old tradition? They eat first without performing the hand washing ceremony. You know, I want you to look at that for a moment. I want you to think, when you read that, how many of us would read that, just kind of skip over it because it doesn't really matter? Like, ah, whatever. So they don't wash their hands and they argue about it. But I sat there and read it this week and they go, that is the stupidest thing I've ever read in the Bible. Okay? How many of us, how many of us feel uh, about the same as you felt before I started reading the Bible here? Like it doesn't feel any different in your heart, right? To me, I read it and go, what's the big, why, why is this even a thing? Look, Jesus is getting to the heart of the matter in just a moment because it's not about washing hands. It's not about washing pitchers and cups. If you guys came here and you have dish, dishes in your sink that are dirty, you're okay. You're okay. Everybody kind of take a deep breath. For those of us who have, you guys cleaned your dishes before you left, you just wasted your morning, right? You thought you were going to be holy. No, you have clean dishes, but you have some, you don't have to do that later on, right? And, but this is the most stupidest thing I've ever, I've ever seen, but, Pastor, why did you choose this? Because you're not, Pastor, you're not reading every little literal story in the book of Mark. You're right, I'm not. Why did I pick this? There's two words there. Ritual and traditions. Okay, there is nothing wrong with rituals and traditions. I have a ritual in the morning. Brush my teeth. Take a shower. Get ready for work. Not, it's an out of order right there, but you know, you know, take a shower, get ready, kiss the wife, say goodbye, I'm going to work. I have a ritual. There's nothing wrong with that, but... When it comes to your faith in God, what does ritual and tradition really mean? It means that you go through the motions not really figuring out why you're doing what you're doing. I had to do this a few years ago, maybe more than a few years ago, but when I first became a Christian, we went to the church and people were singing. First of all, that was weird because I was in choir, but I thought, why am I in choir? I thought I was going to church. I had no idea what the church was about. And then people started lifting up their hands. Anybody ever lift your hands at church before? Like, I first thought, why in the world am I doing this? I've gone to enough Seattle Mariner games, you know, and people did the wave. I thought they were doing that. And then I asked, my my pastor led me to the Lord. I said, what's up with that? He talked about surrender. He talked about a, 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 a it's a sign of surrender. In, in any country and around the world, they're going to know what this means. I have nothing in my hands. And, and I'm lifting up the name of Jesus. It's like a, it's like a physical act that it's given me, it's, it's given me a reminder of the spiritual truth that I'm lifting up the name of Jesus. That's another reason why. 
But then 20 years goes, goes down the road and I'm lifting up my hands and I realize I'm just doing it because it's a habit. Right? Like the song might say, I lift up my hands or something like that. I'm just doing, so I had to sit there and go, is this just a tradition of mine? Is this just a ritual? I have to plug my heart back in and say, do I really, do, do I even know why I do what I do? Why do we sing? Why do we sing out loud? Why do we go to church? Why do we listen to the preacher preach and preach and preach? Why do we do that? Well, hopefully it's not just because of tradition and ritual because there's, again, by itself, there's nothing wrong with tradition and ritual. We have, everyone has rituals and traditions. You have a family tradition. You have family rituals. You have things that you do because that's just how your life is. But when it comes to your faith in God, rituals and traditions become this mindless thing that we just do and we don't realize what we're really doing. We have, we don't plug in our heart with it. We just, we're, we're even mindless. And that's exactly what the Pharisees were doing. They had no idea why they were doing that because it is so legalistic. This thing is that they, they actually, what, this is where, this is where it's very dangerous for them. They, these teachers of religious law, they were experts on the law. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the law. They were experts on the Pentateuch, the five books. They, they knew it. They had it memorized. Every single one of us, if we were to have a little, Bible quiz with these these people, you would lose because they had it memorized. They didn't need the scroll written. They didn't need the scroll in front of them to quote it. They memorized. It was required. They memorized it. They taught it. They should be experts, right? Then, over time, as the Old Testament and, and the law um, was there for them, there became this these rules that were man-made. All of a sudden, they started writing down stuff. They said, you know, it'd be a good thing if you, you, um, you kings and your judges and all that, it'd be good if you started washing your hands before you eat because it's kind of a sign of, of cleanliness. Now, I don't think that's true, like, like, like a purity of heart, but that's what they would say. And over time, over the ages, over the decades and centuries, it became this thing where the, the word of God, the law of God, and the, Man-made rituals and traditions and regulations, they intertwine with the Word of God, and they forgot which was which. And the problem is, churches do this all the time. Christians do this all the time. We, we make our life about specific things, and we get very legalistic about things, and the Bible is very, is, is a lot of times unclear about specific things. I'm not going to get into them today, but, um, there are certain things that God has convicted you of, and there's nothing wrong with that. He convicts us of sin. But we, with a megaphone maybe of sorts, we say, this is how it's supposed to be for all of you guys. And there's certain things that we make it about and we forget about the heart of the matter. We forget about the heart of faith. What is it really about? The, the Jewish leaders and these Pharisees, they didn't care about the inside. They just wanted to look the part. Now, Jesus' response is, um, it's so scary. He, he gives them a one-two punch. I mean, he gives them, he gives them one-two, and then he hits them right under the jaw. Just, boom. He does that. I mean, he gives them right, he goes right to the Old Testament that they would have known. He goes, Jesus replied to them, you hypocrites. Say hypocrites. How many of you guys know that Christians get called that most of the time? I don't go to church because I'm full of hip, I, they're full of hypocrisy and hypocrites and full of people who are not perfect. Perfect. Then you'd fit right in. I like to say I don't, but you know, um, yeah, you're, you, we're, 
Churches are full of people who are not perfect. You're right. You're right. We're all a bunch of hypocrites. I get it. That's why, like earlier I said, we need to hit the reset button. Just stop, pause, just say, Lord, I commit myself afresh to you. But he says, he pulls out the Old Testament, shoves it in their face. Those of you guys who have it memorized, he says, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. I love that because he's going right there. He's, he's calling them on their phoniness. Because these guys, the Pharisees and religious leaders, these guys were the, you know, have you ever heard the, the term goat, greatest of all time? These were the goats of the church. Greatest of all time. These were the heroes of the faith. These were spiritual giants, according to people. They were like, wow, they know so much. If knowledge is your goal, they've got you beat. If knowledge is how you get to heaven, they're getting their way before us. Some of us are going to grab them and kill them. That's how they're getting there quick, right? No, no. But he says, you hypocrites, you're not giants in the faith. You're posers. You're fake. You, you look the, I mean, it's like a Halloween costume. You're wearing this. What are you wearing? You're wearing Christian outfit. You look really good. You're wearing the suit. You're wearing the tie. You're, you're, you're slicking your hair over. You're combing your hair. You're putting the gel in. You got your, uh, you're wearing your cologne. I don't, I haven't worn cologne since junior high, since I had Michael Jordan cologne. Um, cause in junior high, we wore Michael Jordan cologne because we, everybody thought it had Michael Jordan sweat in it. That was part of the thing. I really believed it. Not, it's not a, that's not, that's what they said. So we're like, oh, we want to buy that $30 thing. But we looked apart and Jesus goes, you look Christian. You look holy. You have your Bible. In fact, you got one of those big study Bibles like I do. It's in my office over there. Or you have a big, you have a big, I can't remember. It was like, I'm having a small memory here of someone coming in here like 20 years ago with their family Bible. You know, it's like, you have a family Bible here. Wow, that's a, you know, you know, family Bible. It's one of those ones that are like huge and they're holding it. I'm like, you guys are, you're very, you're going to heaven, right? But Jesus goes, you are not spiritual giants. You're posers. You're a bunch of phonies. You're imposters. How many of you guys want Jesus to say that about you? Not me. He goes, he moves on in this next part of this verse is, for he wrote, Isaiah wrote, these people honor me with their lips. Lip service. I'll, I'll give you an example. I always use my, 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 my marriage as an example. I know it kind of gets redundant and stupid, but not my, not my marriage, not just me using that example. But I could easily say, Lydia, I love you. Lydia, I love you. Or Hayden, Hayden, I'm going to embarrass you. I love you. He's, he's too cool to, to accept that. But 20 years from now, I guarantee you're going to love that your dad said, I love you. Trust me. Um, I could easily say that. And how many of us are guilty of saying that to people? Maybe not I love you, but hi, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. But inside you're going, I'm not great. Oh, yeah, you're one of my, yeah, oh, oh, Billy Bob? Yeah, he's one of my favorite friends. No, I would never do anything to hurt him, but inside you're, you don't like that. You don't like Billy Bob. See, these people honor you with their lips. They're lip service. They're going through the motions, but their hearts are far from me. So, Pause for a moment. Let's take a let's take a, a poll here. How many of us think the people he's talking about they're not going to heaven? How many of us? This might be like it's not a trick question. How in the world can your heart be far from God and you go to heaven? How can you be in right relationship with God if your heart is far from? No, no, no. 
They're going through the motions. They're doing all the part. They've memorized the Bible. They've done their church services. They've done everything, but their hearts are far from me. These people, if they were to die, they would, they would go in front of God and go, I'm excited for this. I know the Bible. Like, like, God, do you want me to tell you about what Genesis 22 says? And God's like, I know what it says. You know, I know all the, I know all the rules in, in Leviticus. You want me, you want me to tell you? And God's like, no, no, I already know it. Right? But he goes, their worship is a farce. Oh man, don't get into that, pastor. You mean you could tell me worship's bigger than music, but I want to start there. I can sing music. I can sing the words. I can raise my hands. I can even jump up and down like we used to in the nineties. I can go up to the altar and, and it could be a farce. Absolutely. If I don't, if I don't connect my heart with God, it says for they, what? Teach man-made ideas as if they were commands from God. That's dangerous. Again, this is not to some non-Christian people. This is not atheists he's talking to. These are not outsiders. These are insiders. This is like going, it's like in Revelation chapter 3. These are like Revelation 3 has these letters to churches. And you would assume that he's talking to non-Christians. These people know better. But their worship is a farce. It's fake. They're posers. They're not spiritual giants. They're spiritual like worms. Because what's worse than looking phony and looking the part, or looking the part and actually being phony? There's nothing worse than that. That's why I'd rather, in my life, I would rather go, you know what? I love God. But if someone, if, if someone, like a really close friend says, Hey, it looks like you're dealing with something. Are you okay? Like they can usually see on my face. Anybody else there? They can read your, your face and you go, you look at them, you go, they're not okay. But as Christians, one of the most easier thing to do is not to get involved in it. I'm doing great. Yes, thank you for asking. I'm doing great. Yep, 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 yep. But I'm back in my mind, I'm going, no, I hate this person. I don't like this. I don't like that. The reality is we all need to get to a place where we're open with people. No, you know what? I'm not okay. My outside of my life is in chaos, but you know what? My heart is soaring. I got to, can I brag on you, Dwayne, for a moment? You're, you, your mother passes away two Sundays ago. You show up here that morning. And it really impacted me because you, you know, I, anyone that's ever lost someone, it's hard no matter what. You can believe, you can believe in God and it's still hard. But when you stood up here and you talked and it was like your faith, your heart, Strong. Even if, and you didn't do this, but maybe I don't know what happened behind closed doors. I have no idea. Even if you went home and you wept. Because that's okay. Jesus, Lazarus dies and he weeps. There's nothing wrong with that, but your faith, I could tell. It was. You stood right here and just started talking. I'm like, that's challenging because it would be easy. It would be easy if I lost somebody to A, not be there, B, at least go, nope, I'm just kind of going in my own little thing. That would be me. And I'm outgoing, but I am an introvert too. And I just, sometimes I need to give me my space, that kind of thing. But you, that's, it just, it's your, your faith at that moment was not a farce. It was real. But these people, they teach man-made ideas as if they were commands from God. That's dangerous. 
And, and then he gives him a one-two punch. This is the one. Boom. The second one, he says, and then he said, you skillfully sidestep God's law in order to hold on to your own tradition. For instance, he gives him an example. Moses gave you this law from God. Honor your father and mother. Pause. How many of us know that's a law from God? I don't care. Okay, let me sidestep that. Some of us may have horrible parents, have had horrible parents, and, and it, it takes a move of God for your heart to connect with them. I get it, okay? I had decent parents. I had good parents. They were not perfect, but they treated me well. I always had enough. I had plenty to eat. We always had a roof over our home, uh, over our house. I had to share a room with my twin brother for 12 years, but that's beside the point. But we, I don't care. We are commanded to honor your father and mother. Correct? I mean, that's what it says. Okay? And this is weird. Old Testament law, pretty extreme. Okay? Anyone who speaks disrespectfully of father or mother must be put to death. Oh. Ouch. Looks like I'm dying. Okay. I never, I, I always talked very respectfully to my parents when I was growing up. Oh, yeah, right. Okay? He, he goes, here it is. Here's two laws that you know. Here you go. But... You say it's all right for people to say to their parents, sorry, can't help you, for I have vowed to give to God what I would have given to you. In most of your translations, if you're not reading that, it might use the, it might use the Hebrew word Corbin, and I'll get to that in just a moment. Like, you have promised Corbin, and it's a weird word, like, there's a, there's a Hebrew word that's like stuck there that they never translated, and I'll tell you why. But, uh, I have vowed to give to God what I would have given to you in this way. You let them disregard their needy parents. And so here it is. This is dangerous. You cancel the word of God in order to hand down your own tradition. And this is only one of many of, of among many others. See, the command of God is ob- obvious. You should honor your father and mother. We know that, right? That's obvious. Honor your father and mother. But in verse 11, sorry, I can't help you, for I vowed to give to God what I would have given to you. Now, many translations, most translations leave the word Corbin. And Corbin, it's only found in this verse, and it is a, it's an age-old tradition. Corbin was this fund that they would have that people would choose on their own. God never commanded them for this, but they kept this little financial fund or their, their property, any property, any financial, and they wanted to set it aside for God's purposes. I'll give you, we used to, we, we, we used to get a bunch of couches to the church. People set aside their couches as Corbin, you know? Like, I'm gonna set it aside, and I'm gonna set it for God's purposes. Hey, pastor, do you want a couch? Absolutely. I'll have a couch. Throw upstairs again. Okay? Um, hey, do you want the, and so, what they did was they had this fund, and it was, it was not in the Bible. It was not commanded by God that you have to have a percentage set aside, that you have to go, you know, this is not the tithe. This is above and beyond that, okay? But often they would say, I cannot touch this fund permanently. Boom, it's, it's I vowed. I can't break my vow. Okay, the Bible says, honor your father and mother. So when I have an aging parent, we're commanded not only to honor them, but to help them out. Like, it's role reversal, you become the parent in a sense. We've seen that a lot in this community. I've seen it a lot in this, in this room, right? And we do that out of love. We do that out of honor. We do that out of respect. It's not always easy. 
But that's what God's commanded us. But these people who had an age-old tradition said, no, I've set aside. So they would use that as, a, as an excuse. Mom and dad would be very sick, ready to die, and they, they couldn't they couldn't help themselves anymore. Um, I'm sorry, I can't help you. All my money is put in this Corbin, this 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 fund that help that's going to go to God and the temple and the church. It's going to that. I'm sorry, I can't help you anymore, mom and dad. And they did that because they didn't really want to honor their mom and dad. They didn't want to honor God. They didn't want to honor. Uh, they didn't want to worship God by doing this. They just simply wanted to go by their word of this tradition. Like I can't help you, mom and dad. See, tradition became more important than God's command. Verse 14. Because it's now it's, he's, he's like, he's going, Pharisees, I want you to stay, I want you to stay here a moment. I'm going to use you as a sermon example right in front of everybody. He brings them, brings the whole crowd here. I love it. It says, then Jesus called to the crowd to come and hear. All of you listen. He said, and try to understand. He's probably pointing at the Pharisees right now. It's not what goes into your body that defiles you. You are defiled by what comes from your, what? Heart. So it's way more important to figure out what's going on in the inside of your life than to go through the motions. There's things that we can do for God, of course. But it's not really about that. It's about what God is doing inside of us. See, he's looking at the Pharisees, and he's making an example of them. See, Jesus is redefining purity. He's redefining faith. He's redefining being in right relationship with God. He's talking about the heart of real, authentic, genuine faith. He's not talking about, he's talking about, hey, you're being a hypocrite right now. Let's get real here. See how, it, it's so easy to become a phony Christian. Have I been a phony Christian in my life for the last 20 some odd years of being a Christian? You better believe it. Do you think, do you think pastors sometimes go through the motions with their faith? You better believe it. If you're expecting your pastor or any pastor you've ever had to be perfect, you're gonna, you need to cut them some slack a little bit. Don't put them on a pedestal like, wow. Because when you put anyone, I'm not talking about just pastors, but anyone on a pedestal, any believer on a pedestal, that just gives them a lot longer to drop. You can destroy them. Now, that's not giving permission to do whatever they want, but I'm just saying that let's help each other out because it's not what comes, goes into your body that defiles. This is Jesus teaching here to his disciples and to this crowd more than just what just went on here. He springboarded from that. But how do we know if we're a real believer? Well, I wrote this down. We must listen to what comes out of our heart. How do we react? How do we talk? How do we treat people? Do we forgive people? Do we love the unlovable? Now, pa- Pastor, now you're getting legalistic. No, 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 no. The things that come out of your mouth, it's evidence of what's going on in the heart. Jesus said that. The way that you speak to people. How do you know if you really believe in God? You've accepted the forgiveness of Jesus, yes but you also extend the hand of mercy unto other people that don't deserve it. Because how many of us deserve it? I don't. But Jesus, he still offered that mercy to me that I didn't even deserve it. And why do we not do that? So that's how we know. How do we talk? How do we treat people? Do we, do we love the unlovable? Do we build people up or do we tear them down? 
That's how we know if our faith is genuine. Verse 17, finally they get away from the crowd. Just Jesus and his disciples. Verse 17, then Jesus, he went into a house to get away from the crowd and his disciples asked him what he meant by the parable he had just used. He's talking about the, the you know, what comes into your mouth and what comes out. He goes, don't you understand either? He asked, can't you see that the food you put in your body cannot defile you? Food doesn't go into your heart, but only passes through the stomach and then goes into the sewer. I like that. <laughs> when you eat something, you're going to use the restroom and it's just going to go. I mean, right? This is huge. This, this side note here, we don't have time to talk about this, but this changed everything about the Jewish faith right here. This statement. By saying this, Jesus declared that every kind of food is acceptable in God's eyes. That is revolutionary. I mean, I cannot get past that. It's not our main point, but I go, he's, Jewish law is very strict about what you can or cannot eat. But again, what's Jesus' main point in this entire passage? Because there's a lot here. Your heart. You can, man, I'm, I'm going to avoid ham. I'm not going to have any bacon. Oh, that's, I feel sorry for you. Like this sausage, like when you go camping and you can feel, you can smell the bacon. This, remember that? That I'm having a, my heart is just, it's awesome because I love that smell of bacon. Anybody else there? Like you can have bacon revival going on. I'm serious about Jesus. You know, are you telling me that if I avoid bacon, that I can be still spiritually far from God? Absolutely. Right? Like you don't get holy by avoiding things. You could be holy by accepting Jesus and having him change your heart. And then he added, it is what comes from inside you that defiles you. From within, from far within, out of a person's heart comes evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, lustful desires, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. Listen, this sums down to one thing. Everything that's evil in this world, gun violence, shooting in, mass shooting in schools, uh, in, in churches, everything, everything, theft, murder, adultery, you know, people sleeping around with other people, drugs, all everything. This is the, the core point is people's hearts are far from God. That is the answer. I mean, we could take away rocks, so we take away everything. We could, we could say, don't steal that, don't steal. But that's only the service stuff. There's something even deeper than that. And it's like all this wickedness, theft, immorality, evil thoughts, deceit, lustful thoughts and desires, envy, pride, foolishness. That's just, that's just scratching the surface. The reality is people's hearts are far from God. And by the way, this isn't just talking about outsiders either. People in the church, we deal with this, we deal with some of this all the time because we're still sinners. Right? How many of us are perfect? We might go, I'm not dealing with that. I might not deal with that. I might not deal with, but we deal with stuff. And that's why we need to go right back to God daily. This isn't about salvation. This is about being, just doing the right thing. Making sure our heart is right. That's what God's saying here. couple thoughts about empty faith or fake faith. When he talked about the Pharisees, they elevated their thoughts and traditions above the word of God. They did. 
they made man-made religion and man-made tradition more important than what God actually said and what he wants from us. See, what does God want from us? What is your life about? There's two things I want to read. And this is, like, I don't care what you, how you make a paycheck or how you make your money, unless you're going into the bank and robbing it and doing illegal stuff. That's not what I'm talking about. What kind of job? Are you janitor, teacher, pastor, preacher, Pepsi person, Coke person? Even if you're a Coke person, you can still go to heaven, right? Like, the, the, real, the reality is that, like, what's the, what's the point? Because we make it all about what we do, like, for a job. It's, it's, it's about two things. Jesus says, Jesus replied to this person in Mark chapter 12. The most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. Listen. When I was first a Christian, they said, man, you got to figure out what you're going to do with your life. Like what job you're going to have. Uh, Pepsi person. No, I never said that. That just showed up one day 12 years ago. But um, we make it all about what we do with ourselves. But the reality is, what are you, what is it really about? Here it is. Loving God with everything. Making it about him. And loving my neighbor as myself. That's called the great commandment. The second one is Mark chapter 15. And then he told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Everyone Everyone, everyone, there's two roles that you play. I don't care what you do with your time during the day, where you clock in at, or if you're retired, it doesn't matter. You are called, I am called to love God, love my neighbor. Who's your neighbor? Everyone. And the great commission, go into all the world and tell people about Christ. That's our job. The problem is, the religious people, they perform religious actions for themselves apart from the true love of God. They didn't do it because they love God. Why do I love God? Why do I love my neighbor? Why do I go out and preach? Because I love God. And God's called me to that. It's like I could take away this microphone. I could take away this role in my life. And I'm still called to preach. I'm still called to tell people about Christ. That's our role. But we don't need to perform outside of Love for God. Isaiah chapter 66 verse 2 says, These are the ones that I look on for the favor. Those who are humble and contrite in spirit and who tremble up my word. God forbid that we become prideful and full of ourselves. God forbid that we, 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 we make it all about us. We exist to glorify God. It's about God. It's for God. That's what it's about. And last but certainly not least, They thought that they could make themselves clean. Now, as we close in prayer, I'm serious. I've been a Christian since 19, October 11, 1996. I gave my life to Christ with my entire family. And daily I have to do this. Am I doing stuff to gain brownie points with God? Man, I'm doing stuff. Maybe God's smiling down at me going, good job. Here, have a cookie, right? No, have a treat. Here, good boy. No, no. I want to do. I want to do the will of God because I love Him, out of a heart of God, for God, not out of obedience and like just. Oh, I'm just going to do it like a. I don't really want to do this, Lord, but I'm going to do it anyway. No, Lord, give me a heart for you, and give me a heart for the lost. 
I, how do you make yourselves clean? We're going to pray with this prayer. How do you make yourself clean? You don't. How do you clean yourself up in the spirit? You don't. The only thing that you do, if you, if you want my honest opinion, is you repent. And what is that? Repentance is very, is very, is not preached about a lot. What is repentance at its core? It's turning away from yourself and sin and going to God. That's it. Repentance, like how do you get, how do you make yourself clean? Repent of your sin. Go to God. Run to God. Run to God. Run to God. This should be a daily thing. God, I need you. I just had a stupid, idiotic thought in my brain. I, I, I need you. God, I, 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 I desired to do this sin. My spirit said, don't do it, but I did it anyway. I need you. Don't wallow in your sin. Don't wallow in your self-pity. Run. That's what it's about. And that's, it's empty faith that is dangerous. So I want to take a moment as we, we will close in prayer and you'll be dismissed. But I want you to take some time today. Somewhere. In your home, in your car, right here. Make an altar somewhere. It might not be right now. Your altar could be your kitchen table. Your altar might be in your bedroom. I don't know. But make an altar somewhere. And say, Lord, some of us have a hard time kneeling. I get it. It's not really about this posture, but your heart. Kneel before God and say, Lord, I'm going to humble myself. I want you to break the part of my heart that needs to be broken and that you bring me a new heart. Holy Spirit, we thank you for each person here. I thank you. It, it's The story is ridiculous in the Bible. It really is. But your teaching was incredible, Lord, because... We do make it about ourselves. We do make it about the outward appearances. It is just the normal, it, it, it's the normal church thing. It really is. Because we all have gone through the motions of, from time to time. But God forbid it. For now on, Lord God, we want to be real with you. We want to be real with each other. And we want to do the will of God. We want to love you. We want to love our neighbor as ourselves. And we want to go into all the world and preach. We want to do that not out of duty, not out of regulations or rituals. We want to do it out of a love for you, God, because you first loved us. I thank you for my friends here. I pray for blessing on each one of them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Enjoy the weather. I don't, I thought it was supposed to rain today, so enjoy it. It's three o'clock, but yeah, let's, let's, I have a little faith in that.